0: Hello, hello, welcome, welcome, welcome out there in podcast land. It's me, Eddie D., your host of EAC Speaks, where we're always epic, empowering, preventing, innovating, and connecting. And today, I have an awesome guest lined up for you, right in line with our mission, our vision, and our values. I have none other Then Dr. Orisha Bowers. (laughs) You're the first person to jump right
1: in. (laughs) (laughs) See, that lets us know it's going to be a great day.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. How are you doing today?
1: Listen, I am doing well. I am blessed and highly
0: favored. (laughs) Hey, so please tell the people a little bit about you.
1: Cool. So I'm Orisha Bowers, a.k.a. Dr. O. Um, I am a native of Memphis, Tennessee, and I am the executive director of Orisha Healing Arts Wellness and Spiritual Center, which is a hybrid um, organization, 501c3, that focuses on healing, wellness for all. I mean, in a nutshell, that is our mission and vision is to see a, a time when people... Of all walks of life, regardless of their um, you know where their eco- economics, their demographics, uh, how they identify, etc, have access to wellness practices that are suitable for them.
0: I love that. We talk a lot about individualizing um, people's care plans a lot. so that sounds a lot like what we've been trying to get people to do. make it work for the people that you're actually serving. That's right. I love it. So I remember meeting you when I was a baby in the field, like walking around very scared and looking like, oh my God, who is this woman? She's so amazing. So (laughs) tell us, how did you get your start in public health? Well,
1: uh, way back in 1989, I uh, found myself in a situation where I was without employment, and um, I happened upon this opportunity to become an AmeriCorps Vista volunteer at United Way in Memphis, um, and you know they had this or they had this co- coalition or consortia is what it was called at that time, but um, called the Southwest Tennessee AIDS Consortia, and um, that is where my AmeriCorps um, assignment was. So for for two years, I volunteered. Uh, as a part of AmeriCorps Vista volunteers to work with the uh, AIDS Consortia of Southwest Tennessee and of course I didn't know doodly squat uh about you know anything <laughs> I didn't know anything about the you know this 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 sub community um, that I was working with and I met a guy by the name of Tony C um who was you know part of the consortia and he just kind of took me under his wings and taught me, you know, how to work in the community and how to kind of relate to people who were living with HIV. Um, And, you know, from that day to this day, I always try to pay homage to Tony because he was, you know, a person who was living with HIV, but he saw that I had a sincere interest in making a difference. Mm
0: -hmm. And,
1: you know, he was like, if you really want to do this right, this is, you know, I'm a person who is directly impacted. And this is this is what we need to see as a you know as a community. This is what we're looking for. So if you really want to do this, this is the way to go about it. And so I have to pay tribute to him at all times because he really kind of I was like his sister, you know, his sister from another mister. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you
1: know, he taught me about you know ball culture, gay life, you know what it, what it meant to be HIV positive you know some of the struggles and barriers that people who were living with HIV were having at the time and you know uh, unfortunately you know he passed away and um uh you know like so many others you know I do this still do this work um in his memory and um you know I still live by those values that I learned you know through our friendship I, love that. I got started
0: That's amazing. And shout out to Mr. Tony, because you paid it forward. I remember you embracing us, me and a few of my friends and talking to us about like what it meant, because at the time I was um, HIV negative. And so I always had this like, well, will they embrace me? Will they take me in? And so it was people like you and so many other women who actually embraced me and, let me know that if you care, you care. And it's not about, you know, everything else that's in the world. It's about passion and loving the community. So thank you to Tony and thank you to you as well.
1: Absolutely. I appreciate it. I mean, every day is, a, every day is still a learning experience, right? You know, of course you have grown and gone on to do amazing things. All of you all have. And, you know, I'm really super proud of all of you all and 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 those to come who will take over as as I, as I age out. You <laughs> know <Getting up> there. <laughs>
0: whatever.
1: <laughs> I keep saying that and People keep saying whatever. <laughs>
0: we we shall continue <laughs> in this like when you age out, we'll be right there with you anyway. <laughs> So tell me this, when you've talked about your start, when did wellness just make sense to pursue in your public health journey?
1: Honestly, uh, at a very early age, I probably was around 12 or 13 years old. um, You know, I I, I see visions. Um, And at that particular point in time, I didn't understand what that gift was. Uh, many people, not many people, but the few people that I told um, were like, you definitely are crazy. You know, you say uh-huh. see visions and et cetera. Um, but I used to see things and hear things. Um, and I learned in my, you know, as I age to, you know, to understand that gift and what that meant. But around the age of 12, you know, I started using um, movement and dance as a way to kind of cope with different things that was going on in my life. Of course, all of us have those typical uh, teenage struggles uh, that we face, you know, because we're coming into ourselves. Um, But at that particular point in time, my mom became ill um, with um, cancer and it was kind of a really progressive um, process for her and my way of coping with you know sort of this shock of her having this illness and having to get chemo and radiation and therapies and all these different things because as you know in in black community and in black households you know it's kind of just do what i say and don't ask any questions so i didn't have an outlet to really deal with, you know, how I was feeling other than movement. And so I would say uh, that is the moment when I really realized that, you know, there were there were some things that I could do that, you know, that were mine. I didn't have to pay for it. You know, I could just turn on my radio in my room and move around. And it just helped me to like calm and settle myself and, you know, get my mind right to Mm -hmm. face another day you know and i didn't have to talk that was like the most important part of it i didn't have to try to find any words i didn't have to try to explain anything to anybody and like i said the biggest thing for me was i didn't have to talk i could just move around cut my radio on move around in my room i could close my door i didn't have to you know, access to anybody else. I didn't have to explain anything. I could just do what I needed to do, and be as well and free as I needed to be, so I could face another day.
0: That's amazing. And now you're sharing it with other people. So tell me about the um, Healing Arts Orisha Healing Arts Wellness and Spiritual Center. When did it get its foundation?
1: Absolutely. So, um, it started off as a master's thesis when I was working on my master's in women and gender studies. Um, I had this brilliant idea to, <laughs> to write up, you know, write up my project and, um, Dr. Uh, shoot, I can't think of his last name right off the top of my head, but I called him Dr. Charles. He, um, you know, was a professor of anthropology at that time. And he was like overseeing my capstone project. And he helped me, you know, to think through my idea. And I piloted uh, the project at Cap Incorporated in Memphis, Tennessee oh, yeah. with a group of people who were in substance use treatment. Um, and basically we, we started just experimenting together experimenting with um the folks at cap inc um in memphis i approached their ed and you know i was doing this as a capstone project for my master's thesis um I was get my master's in women and gender studies and I talked to um, one of the professors there, there at that time about my idea and he said, well, why don't you do it as a study? And that way you can get some kind of preliminary information, you know, you can see. And we started off on a six weeks pilot um, at CAP. I was working with a, a group of 20 people who were uh, people in the women's um, treatment program there and- those ladies, you know, sort of took a pre-survey to say, you know, how they were feeling, you know, what they wanted to accomplish, why they wanted to be there, and et cetera. And then after six weeks of doing, you know, work with them, they did a uh, post-survey about, you know, what they were feeling, if they got anything out of it, what they want to do it, if it was something that was ongoing. And we had like a 90% success rate with folks. And so basically in 2020, I decided, okay, you're almost 50. (laughs) You need to, you need to do this or or not. (laughs) So I became an official nonprofit. Um, and I received my first grant, uh, three years, of it's been three years now. And, um, you know, I, I've been going ever since. I think the thing that has life has been um, people who trust me to help lead them on this journey. So, you know, we're, we, how we stay, you know, going is to keep, like, re- revising, keep reimagining, you know, keep tweaking um, the program to fit people. You know, and as we meet new people, we add new things and we try new experiments and, you know, get input from the people who have been a part of the program. And that's what keeps us going.
0: I love that. So what do you say to someone out there who may have an idea um, about a service, about an organization, about anything that the idea is there, but they may be afraid to put it into practice. What do you say to those folks?
1: You know what? I have I for many years I sat on my idea because I didn't think people would like it, or I was scared somebody might try to steal it or what have you, or just all those kinds of fears. So I do like personally understand how that can be but what i would say to that individual is trust it within yourself know that you are divinely connected to the universe and to your ancestors and to all those who have come before you and your gift and your your idea somebody in the future in the present and in the future needs you to do your idea their their blessing is connected To you doing your assignment. And when we think about the responsibility of that, it can help us go, you know, beyond our fears. You have to do it because if if you don't do what you're supposed to do in this life, whatever your purpose is, whatever your, you know, vision is, somebody's not getting what they need because you scared, you know, to, to try find other people, call me, call Eddie, you know, get with somebody who can support you and encourage you. um, Because the world needs you to do what your assignment is.
0: Absolutely. I love that going beyond your fears. So yes, um, Dr. I was right. If there's anything that you need, I'm here. She's here engaging Arkansas is here. There are so many people that can support your dream because as Dr. O mentioned, somebody out there needs what you have. So be that person who can share with the folks and actually help someone else on their journey. I love that. So now I want you to talk to me a little bit more about some of the services that you all offer.
1: Sure. So as I mentioned, we have evolved. Over, <laughs> we have evolved a lot over the years. Um, we typically work um, on a one-to-one basis, although we do do work um, in groups. Uh, but we work with folks on um, basically any facet of healing related um, to coaching. We do one-on-one coaching. We do one-on-one Reiki or group Reiki. We do a service called Dancing Mindfulness. I recently started doing uh, prayer circles. And what those are, are, I had a person once who um, said, you know, we are the people that nobody wants to pray for. And it really hit me right in my heart space because I'm like, what? Like prayer is something that's just, it's the least we can do for people, mm-hmm. and so I was like, you know what? anybody that anybody else that says that, let them know that I'm willing to pray for them. If nobody else is, I'm willing to. They don't have to do nothing but text me, and say, hey, I need you to pray for me, um, or hey, I need this specific thing or whatever it is, you know. But I started doing prayer circles. I do them every Sunday at three thirty three. And I won't get into the significance of numbers, but um, I started doing that because someone made their statement. Um, I do a service called Mindful Merging, which is teaching groups of people about um, mindfulness and what it is and how you can use it. Um, I do sound healing, um, expressive arts training, and uh, radical self-care planning. And again, all of these services are available to individuals who um, on a one to one basis or in a group. Lastly, I'll talk a little bit about that. There's an online support group that I hold every Tuesday six um 6 p.m central 7 p.m eastern and it is a harm reduction based group we have you know podcasts that we watch together we have sometimes we have live in-person meetings sometimes we may watch a documentary we do all kinds of different content in that space just to have a, a safe place for people to come to to get information You know, to talk to other people, you know, to be in community because of COVID, so many people have been isolated. And so um, that group is there, you know, for people who may be out there in community and they don't have anybody that they can connect with. If they have access to the internet and Facebook, they can connect within that group with other people. And, you know, same thing, it was something that a participant um, in the program said can you create a virtual space it doesn't have to be somewhere where we go and tell all of our story and tell all our business just somewhere where we can go to look for information or to find entertainment or you know learn something new and so that space was
0: that that's amazing to know that um a lot of these things came from folks just saying that they needed something. So if you're out there listening organizations, listen to the people. They're going to tell you what they need, what we need Mm -hmm, as consumers mm -hmm. of your service. So being adaptable is really important in anybody's journey to healing.
1: That's right. I used to think that I needed to be there. (laughs) You know, I needed to do um, something for people, but what I've learned over the years is that people really want to do things for themselves. Mm -hmm. They really want just to get access or just to have the information. They don't necessarily want or need someone else to do it for them, if that makes sense. And so Mm -hmm. that's one of the, the big things that participants within my programs have taught me is that, no, I don't need you to be there. Can you just make the space and, and I'll use it as I need to? And so that's the thing for me is just, you know, always being willing to, you know, make sure that, you know, the things are scheduled, people are getting the notices and things like that, but they don't need me to, you know, hold their hands. They they really don't want that. And um, and so that for me has really been empowering too, because it allows me to, you know move on to create other things and do other things and, and still just kind of manage those opportunities.
0: Yes. Love that. Giving people their own superpowers, basically. That's Mm -hmm. amazing. So um, earlier in the season, we had um, a therapist, Mackenzie Davis come in and talk about the different forms of therapy. And she also mentioned expressive arts, so, tell me what is like the basics behind expressive arts?
1: Cool. Um, so expressive arts is a form of therapy. Um, it's using, you know arts based mediums like painting, journaling, um, coloring, you know, poetry. um, it can be journaling. It can be um dancing. It can be. Photography, yoga, it can be any form of um, artistic expression that allows a person to process their feelings without the requirement of talking. Um, and so most of the times people use expressive arts, you know, sort of as an addition or an or sort of an on-ramp to help a person be ready to go to talk therapy, um, you know, or as an alternative if a person is stuck in their process, it just helps give them another tool they can use to be able to express whatever is coming up for them. You know, there's a whole science behind expressive arts because our brain does something different when we talk. No matter what we're talking about, we have filters that come up, right? But when you're using your artistic brain, those filters aren't there. And sometimes you can unlock and get deeper um, when you don't have those filters in place, you know? So that's that's sort of, in a nutshell, the science behind expressive arts. Hmm.
0: That's great to know that there are so many different forms in itself of what expressive arts is Um, and what we we haven't really talked about in I know we do a lot of work in HIV and on this side of the world we don't talk a lot about the other forms of therapy where you said you don't have to talk where you can just do the expression whether it's um coloring or writing or drawing or dancing whatever it is how Do you think that can be included in the work of HIV, or how have you included that in the work of HIV?
1: So, from you know, so when you think about um, trauma informed uh, work, you know, that's a big buzzword out in the world when it comes to HIV and other sort of intersecting, um, you know, community issues that that we're you know trying to address um as providers you hear people say trauma informed trauma informed um and so for me i define an hiv diagnosis uh as a traumatic experience right it's traumatic for the person who receives that diagnosis and everyone connected to them that's a part of their network um and so for me i think one of the one of the easiest ways um to approach it is to think about it as a wound you know if you if you if you hurt your knee there's a scab that starts to grow right but if you don't take good care of it or if you don't have the right tools then it can become infected and you sometimes have to take this scab off so that the wound can get air and get, get, you know, refreshed and put the right medications on there so it can heal properly. So for me, when I think about, you know, expressive arts um, and these different modalities, they're tools that a person can use to help uproot any infection or any, you know, negative thinking or, you know, um, past trauma or trauma that's going on now, um, that may be stopping them from getting better. You know, they may have negative thoughts about medication or they may have something going on as to why they aren't, you know, where they want to be. And so that for me is why uh, I think of What I do as a a trauma informed approach uh, to helping people get the healing that they need. I'm very quick to tell people, you know, I'm not a replacement for a therapist. You know, I'm just a bridge that you can use until you're ready to get in a relationship with a therapist. And when somebody's ready, You know, I make referrals. I keep my little book, you know, for when people are ready. If they want to go to treatment, like they don't have to be abstinent from drug use or doing sex work or whatever it is they got going on. Like I don't have any of those requirements. It's judgment free. I just want to know what is it that we can do to help you until you get ready. You know, if you get ready, like you're not even required to. Get ready. You're not required to stop doing anything if, if you're doing a behavior that's you know, push you at risk. Obviously, I'm going to talk to you about ways to be safe or safer. But, you know, I don't require people to, you know, you have to be abstinent or you got to not do something. You have to change this or that. That's for them to decide. I'm just there to meet them at their pl- place of need and try to help them move along to the next place. And so I think, you know, for me, that is a way that we can approach uh, working with people who might be experiencing something related to either, you know, having HIV directly or a person who is supporting somebody, you know, is meet them at their place of need and figure out what tools you can provide to, you know, help them along the way. But they have to do what they need to do for their own life. And this is just, again, like I said, like a toolbox that helps folks, you know, something else to add to their arsenal to make it better or to make it a little bit easier as they're going along.
0: Mm, Yes, to make it a little bit easier. And speaking of easier things, a lot of times we have services that we offer in um, the HIV field, whether it's medical case management or um, substance use or housing, all of these things, why do you think it's important that we expand beyond our typical HIV services, um, beyond the standard service?
1: So, you know, this is my personal opinion, um, you know, and I, I, you know, have I read a lot and study a lot because, you know, again, we're always changing and growing as an organization, but... People are not their diagnosis. They have a whole lot of other stuff going on. And if you're going to reach people, you have to use a, like a holistic, uh, comprehensive mindset. Like, okay, yes, we want them to deal with their physical health. They need to take their medications. They need you know, to eat healthy foods and things like that. However, if they don't have a healthy mindset, And mindset, when I say mindset, I mean like attitude towards all of these different things, what's going on in the environment that they live in, whether they're unhoused or whether they're living with family or whatever is going on. You don't address those things in some way and people don't have a way to talk about this stuff or deal with those other things they become barriers to them taking their medication. So for me, the way that the public health community tends to address things is based on their goals, right? I want to be able to report that all of my clients are adherent to care, but that's not necessarily always at the forefront of the goals of the the patient, right? Mm. They may be thinking about, hell, I got to find somewhere to live. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I got to be able to pay my bills, or I'm just having a really crummy time right now, and I don't have anybody I can talk to about it. I need to get it out. Oh, I- I'm ready to pop off at the next person that says something to me about HIV because I'm tired of talking about it, right? They may have anything going on. And so for me, It's like, how can we use these other tools to help a person feel more cared for, right? To help a person, you know, knock down other barriers that might not have anything to do with them necessarily taking their meds every day, but it might just make it harder for them to do it. You know, they're not in the right mind frame. And so you know, they, or they've given up. They're tired of taking medicine every day. Like You know, all kinds of things come up for people, but I just think that the more that we can address the whole person, um, the more successful we'll be in, in terms of eliminating HIV as an issue, right? Mm-hmm. If we teach people about their bodies, you know, I don't assume because somebody's a certain age that they even know about their body, mm-hmm. right? So, Sometimes we got to do some adult sex ed, you know, and help people understand like, okay, you can still, you know, have sex and get your pleasure, but this is how you can do it in a fun and safe way. You know, things like that, that help people to be better and feel better about their life.
0: Yes. And be more aware. That is, yes. That's the goal. I love that. So um, one of the reasons uh, there are many reasons why I wanted you on EAC speaks, but one of the reasons I um, saw online was that you all are hosting a women's wellness retreat series, <laughs> and you spell women with a Y. Language matters. Now tell me why you included women with a Y.
1: So of course, like I said, I like to I like to learn. I like to um, be, you know. Uh, sensitive and respectful. And more than anything, I like to make sure that I'm, you know, on top of um, elevating people's full humanity. So I did some research on the word woman, like from a linguistic standpoint. And I discovered that people were, you know, using uh, different ways to express, you know, express the root word of expressive arts
0: <laughs>
1: express this identity of woman like and so i started looking into that and i found that you know that the the, the spelling w o m y n was one of many uh alternative spellings for the word um used by some feminists right and then you know as i was digging a little bit deeper um I saw where people were wanting to avoid using the spelling M-A-N or M-E-N as a part of the word, like it's sort of a reclaiming of that identity. And we see this happening a lot. Like we see this happening within the LGBT um, community where folks are, you know, identifying in different ways. And so this is sort of, you know, akin to that. Women, um, you know, reclaiming their identity. And so, um, for me, my interpretation of that is, you know, like an expansive, uh, safe and inclusive environment. You know, I'm allowing our registrants, um, retreatants, I should say, uh, to identify themselves in whatever way that they, as a woman, and we know that there are many ways right and so Mm. that is definitely about inclusion and making sure that we're creating a safe space where people feel centered um not because of a gender marker but more uh based on their way that they express what it means to be a woman
0: gotcha so that is beautiful now tell me more about the retreat series. I know that there are multiple parts, but tell me a little bit more about it.
1: Cool. So the retreats, um, again, along those same lines of women being able to like reclaim their identity and, you know, define for themselves what it means to be a woman. I wanted to create a space Um where you know, we, we can come together and pour into each other and receive from each other. Um, and so the retreats are an opportunity for us to spend time together in community, have some really important conversations about identity, about mental health, about sexual health, about physical health. So we have facilitators who will be coming in to address those different Areas and working with the women so they have the opportunity to try on some wellness practices. We have yoga instructors, we have, um, you know, folks who do sound healing, we have other folks who do, um, you know, yoga. Um, massage, who are counselors and therapists and, you know, on and on and on, you know, entrepreneurs, people who have written books, you know, just all different walks of life, you know, so all of our facilitators identify as women, they're different ages, different, um, you know, different ethnic backgrounds and like, you know, they mirror the participants. So we have people who are registering for the retreat from the U.S. all over uh, and abroad. We just got our first um, from the United Kingdom um, um, recently. And so we have people from everywhere who will be attending the retreats. And what I love about it is that we're creating the space. So, you know, just to be clear with folks, this isn't, you know, my opportunity per se, because I won't be facilitating much. Um, I am, you know, creating a space where other women entrepreneurs who like as you mentioned at the beginning of the of the record of, of the session, uh, people who had an idea or, you know, changed their career after 20 or 30 years and decided they wanted to do something different. These are people who are like myself, you know, trying to do better, trying to evolve, trying to grow, following a dream, want to show other people how to follow their dreams and how to thrive, Um And so that is the exchange, right? I'm just creating a container and these folks, facilitators and registrants are coming together and we'll see what happens when we all come together.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There'll be magic and beauty and love all around.
1: Okay. yes. And I want to be I I don't want to. forget to say that one of the retreats is designated for people of transgender experience because we know um, as a community and, you know, again, also from the feedback of the participants, we're not yet ready to share uh, spaces yet. Um, And so respectfully, we have a space that is coordinated and curated by women who identify as trans, um, you know, and the facilitators for that um, conversation will also be people who are leaders and, you know, people who are part of that community. So I just to name that because they have a specific space that's designated. Um, and our hope for the future is to be able to create a container for men.
0: Oh, yes. All around. Let's just, let's just do it all around, okay? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, I know you mentioned that you are looking for... Um, facilitators as well that's a chance for folks to get involved so you mentioned leaders and and that is very inclusive as well you are a leader whether you think about it or not
1: that's right um
0: if you have an idea or if you want to get involved how can people find you or the the, um, retreat series so if you want to
1: reach out to me you can reach me on my website which is orisha O R I X A wellness.com if you are a person who wants to register for uh, one of the retreats you can register Uh, you can find us on eventbrite um, and you can register through eventbrite Um, and it's called orisha's women's wellness and women is spelled w-o-m-y-n women's wellness retreat there's one in july September, October, and December. Um, The events that are in July and September will be held in Memphis, Tennessee, which is close to Arkansas. Um, And the retreat in December, uh, also the retreat in October will also be in Memphis, but the retreat in December will be at the Elohe retreat center in Georgia. Um, And so you know, again, folks can find all the details on Eventbrite, or they can reach out to me directly through the website um, and just shoot me an email, and uh, and we can talk. If someone's interested in being a facilitator, like you said, if you got an idea, I'm open. Let's talk about it. <laughs> I'm still Listen. recruiting uh, facilitators for September, um, and uh, October, and December. So let me know. Um, you know. Our retreats are free. <laughs> so all you have to do, is, yes, all you have to do is register for the retreat. There's no uh, cost to attend. There is all of the lodging and the food uh, and materials are provided. Um, and so, yeah, <laughs> come on out. Let's have a good time
0: yes and y'all again it's orishawellness.com that's o-i-r-x-a wellness.com get on there and it's only on, right don't on. don't be lazy just rewind the, the recording that's the right or
1: you can <laughs> find us also on facebook too so yes. yeah go on, on there and get to looking and start booking <laughs>
0: yeah i love that style booking that's amazing And if you are in Arkansas and you want to travel, there may be some opportunities for sponsorship that folks may have across Arkansas. Just ask the people. You never know. Closed mouths don't get fed.
1: That's right. That's right. Tell us what you got going on and we'll figure out how we can try to help.
0: Yes. Now we've talked about the retreat. We've talked about the spiritual wellness center we talked about your career in public health. Now we want to talk about you as a healer. So what type of healing does the healer go through?
1: So one of the things that is required uh for me personally is um time to myself, right? I have to have, I have to have regular uh opportunities to just uh sort of I call it turtling. <laughs> I have mm. to go into my shell play my music like my candles rest and i contemplate you know just think about stuff write my notes um you know i try to eat really healthy foods i try to drink a lot of water you know and things like that but i regularly every day i do uh reiki on myself um i make sure that i am you know keeping my 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 vessel clear and so I do a lot of cord cutting which is um, basically where you do a ceremony over yourself to um, cut cords that may have attached you hear you hear people say all the time spirits attach Mm -hmm. that is very true (laughs) and as a person who identifies as an empath I have to take special care of myself to make sure no spirits or no um, energies have attached themselves to me because oftentimes people come to me for um, you know spirit uh, spiritual and energetic exchanges and I don't want to share anything that's not theirs um, and so I try to take good care of myself from a mental health standpoint by getting plenty of rest trying to eat um, healthy you know and things like that, um, you know, we're all portals. And so mm-hmm. we have to just be mindful of what we take in. I don't watch a lot of uh, garbage. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I try not to watch the news and things like that where it's a lot of negativity. Um, I, I regularly block people who are negative, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know. Because what you you know, the saying goes, "You are what you eat, right? And when we mm-hmm. hear that, we think about what we put in our mouths, but from a healer' standpoint, you are what you eat means you are what you consume. So if you consume a lot of negativity, if you are hang around a lot of negative people or people who have you know their their aura or their energy is sick, you can you can absorb that. And, you know, you you become what you consume. So I don't listen to a lot of negativity. I don't watch things that are negative because your mouth is not the only way that you can take things in. Your eyes, your ears, your heart, all of it is uh, ways that stuff can get in. And so you have to protect yourself. And so as a healer, that's one of the ways that I protect myself is I have to take time alone to, you know, Get rid of stuff. You also take in people's stories when you do this type of work. Um, and so I have to have time to let all of that filter out, you know, taking in people's traumas, taking listening to people's stories is also a form of trauma, right? Because mm-hmm. you you have a, a, an exchange with somebody when they come to you with whatever it is that they have going on. And so you have to have a way to filter all of that out and not hold it.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: And so that is is one of the ways, one of the ways that I do that is to take time for myself to like clear all of those things out.
0: Yes, you mentioned something, taking care of your portal, your vessel is really important, especially when you are um, out here dealing with people and I say dealing with people. when you are working with folks, no matter your position, whether you that's right, work in HIV as an outreach worker or director, a leader or whether you work at what you know anywhere 711 Wow mm-hmm. that's right. You, you interact with people at that point and a lot of us interact with our family, our friends, so there's any time that you come in contact with someone, there's a pl- a chance for you to consume something that they've left with you.
1: Mm-hmm. And you have to get that out. You have to you have to, you know, um, know what's yours to hold. And oftentimes and I say this very unapologetically, lots of times as people of color, we are conditioned to, you know, allow people to dump all over us. Right. People mm-hmm. come and, and and we think, oh, just pray about it and et cetera and et cetera. You have to have a way to get those things out. You have to have a way, a healthy way, a healthy way to put a barrier there. And sometimes it, it, it can get hard. But this is these are some of the things that I work with people on is what's right for you. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, everything isn't about cutting people off and and etc but you do need to have boundaries Mm -hmm. because people will you know just run all over you um and not respect you or your space or your mental health or what you got going on if you don't make them you have to teach people how to treat you and so that's a part of this too um is is helping to empower people so that they can protect their neck
0: <laughs> you mm. know,
1: protect your bubble.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Look, I have a shirt that says get your shocker right before I punch mm-hmm. you in it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's right. That's right. We got we got eight of them. So <laughs> you got a lot of punch points. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. I absolutely have enjoyed um this episode. I want to know, what have I not asked you about? Do you have any upcoming events, speaking engagements? What is it that I've not asked you?
1: So, yes. Um, One of the things I want to uh, be sure to say is um, it's Pride Month.
0: (laughs) Okay.
1: It's Pride Month and I am, you know, intentionally it's also Juneteenth. Um, You know, Um, And so I am intentionally focusing on people who identify as black people who are LGBTQIA plus gender expansive people. Um, I'm holding space during my prayer circles all this month. Um, And if people need uh, any kind of, you know, spiritual assistance or guidance, please reach out to me, you know, because it can be a hard time during uh, this month, especially in this political climate. Mm -hmm. People are emboldened and, you know, we're, you know, I identify as a person who is LGBT and we are unsafe Mm -hmm. uh, right now you know, this is just, it's a heightened awareness for me. So I want to just make that offering to people that if you are uh, experiencing anything or you just need some support, please do reach out. I um, love my, I have a consultation uh, spot on my website. It's 30 minutes and it's absolutely free. So um, reach out and if you, you know, need other help, we're here. So that's the first thing that I want to say. The second thing is, I'm going to be participating, whoop whoop, in the Get Free Black Feminist Future Reunion in Baltimore, June 10th. If you are participating in that um, in that conference, or if you know anyone who is participating in that conference, please encourage them to come to my session. Um, and then, um, lastly, um, you know. I uh, just am appreciative of the opportunity to be on your platform and anything that I can do to elevate support, uh, you know, let more people know I'm here for it. Just let me know how you need me to do that. And I think that's it.
0: Oh, uh, Dr. Oh, you know, I just love you dearly. Anytime we get to talk, I'm always just like ears wide open, skinning ear to ear. <laughs> <laughs> Um. so thank you for mentioning that it's Pride Month and Juneteenth and that is not always a safe space for us whether um we come from a black community or a queer community or sometimes both those intersections really do impact us and I recently came across a tweet, I'm getting emotional now but I recently came across a tweet where they were talking about all of the issues that we're facing across the country and if you're out there listening now, I implore you to take your space that's whether right. that's um not not always out there advocating whether you are creating a poster you're sharing a post on your social media you're donating to the cause you're sending um donations or water to people who are out there on the forefront do your peace do your place in mm-hmm. this fight because That's right. there is such a bold attempt at mm-hmm. disengaging us erasing us as queer people as black people in this world so do your due diligence in order- That's right.
1: That's right. That is so right. And if you're an ally just do your part. It. If you're an ally do your part. Make sure that you are sh- uh, showing up um and supporting Uh, people who are on the front lines trying to you know uh, dismantle (laughs) these attacks (laughs) do your part I love that thank you for just giving me the words I couldn't think of a moment ago like we all have to do our part we
0: all have to do our part because
1: it's us today (laughs) if they're successful it'll be
0: I want to thank you again, Dr. O, for joining me on EAC Speaks. And stay tuned for the next episode, y'all. If you want to be a guest on the show, hit us up. And until next time, it's Eddie. Ciao. The EAC
1: Speaks podcast is partially supported by the Arkansas Department of Health through a grant funded in part by the CDC. All discussion is solely the responsibility of each participant and doesn't necessarily represent the official views of engaging Arkansas communities, the Arkansas Department of Health, CDC, or the U.S. government.